This is the Rocky Road Podcast. Brought to you by Rockspile.com. High drive went high and deep right field. Get up and get out. Blackman to third. Throw coming to the plate is not a time. And inside the park home run for Charlie Blackman. Davis's pitch. Strike three called. The Rockies are going to the postseason. Drive to left field. Larry Walker making three. Going back is Slater. Ryan McMahon. It's gone. Shapiro. Welcome into the Rocky Road Podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern, the one, the only, the best place in town. And hey, this is the one and only Rocky Road Podcast. I appreciate all of you for listening and continuing to grow the hashtag brand. You can always email the show, RockyRoadPodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Shapalicious. That's where you will find my writing from rockspile.com, the Associated Press, where I've got some writing coming on Wednesday. Denver Post, that's my Rapids Beat. Scout, that's Buffs. Associated Press is Nuggets Avs. I don't even know what I'm covering tomorrow with the Nuggets in the playoff race. But, hey, you follow my Twitter, you're going to know where I'm at. So you knew where I was at tonight, and that was the Colorado Rockies game where Nolan Arenado became the youngest Rocky ever to record 1,000 hits. Not the fastest. Charlie Blackman, I believe, did it a bit faster. He was a bit older, but Nolan Arenado did it again in his 1,000th hit, and he put the Rockies ahead, and the Rockies won 7-5 because of Nolan Arenado, and it comes against the team that tweeted out a couple weeks ago that Nolan's not as good as Anthony Rendon. Well, take that L on the way out. The Curly W Washington Nationals, who who totally stole their logo from Walgreens as well as, well, It's the only W they've gotten in a playoff series, let's be honest, is the one they carry on their uniform, or laundry as I like to call it. Anyway, I first want to start by celebrating Nolan Arenado a little bit because we are truly blessed to watch modern day Brooks Robinson, Mike Schmidt, a Hall of Fame caliber third baseman, and perhaps the best positioned player in Rockies history up to this point to end up in the Hall of Fame. And this is a guy who is a third of the way to 3,000 hits. He probably won't get there, but he's widely regarded as the best defensive third baseman in baseball, as well as one of the best offensive third baseman in baseball. And we saw both tonight. We see it almost every night. And I think we're just blessed to have him. So before I get into your questions, before I do the whole pitching debacle and whatever that is, uh, what's going on with the staff, I think I just wanted to take a moment to go, hey, Sometimes we take it for granted and we'll be lucky to have it in Colorado for the next eight years because of the extension, but we are seeing truly one of the finest players in baseball. It doesn't matter what he is, first, third, fifth, or 25th. We are seeing something that we know every night to be true and to be beautiful and to be amazing and awe-inspiring almost every single night. I mean, it's to the point where every night he does something that you're not even shocked at. And, of course, he's been doing that for three years. But 
to get to that point as an athlete is a very special place, and he obviously has made a special connection in Denver with the two straight postseason appearances and him ascending to one of the finest players in the game of baseball. So hats off to Nolan Arenado, who totally won the Rockies the game tonight on a night that should be celebrated as his as he became the ninth player in Rockies franchise history, two 1,000 hits. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, he's got 11 to top him and 89 to catch up to Charlie Blackman, who recorded one tonight. But he's probably a year away from catching up to Troy Tulowitzki. Todd Helton's number one, by the way, 2,519. But second place is very much attainable, attainable 1,361. So Nolan Arenado's probably at least going to end up at second place all-time in Rockies hits. Hit his 189th career home run, which is nearing fifth on the all-time Rockies leaderboard. It's sixth right now. And here you go. One of my favorite trivia questions that you can ask, and I'm going to throw it out there, and, you know, this is hard to do when you're doing a podcast by yourself, but how many players do you think there have been in Major League Baseball history? How many? Just think on it. Don't Google. Just think on it for a second. It's a history that dates back to 1867. So a long, long time. And there have been about 25 players on a roster per year. So you might be thinking about the math in your head and, you know, where it might be at. Just think about it for a second. Just continue to think about it. Okay, you ready? There have been 19,000, just over 19,000, about 1,900, 100 players in Major League Baseball history that have ever appeared in a Major League game. That is staggeringly low. So to get to the big leagues, it is so much lower of odds than you actually think. But... I want to put it this way, and this is a way that <laughs> it's not fun, but it's a, it's a really easy way to, I think, conceptualize it given uh, its place in history, but war battles, if you go to war battles, there were more losses in the Battle of Waterloo by almost two and a half times, 47,000 than have ever appeared in Major League Baseball. The Battle of Chinamaca in the American Civil War, 34,000 people died. There have only been 19,000 people that have ever played Major League Baseball. I mean, there were three different battles in the Civil War where more people were lost in a day or two than have ever played Major League Baseball in uh, almost 200 years now. And Nolan Arenado is one of just 1,315 to have 1,000 hits. A long, long storied history, and he's right there in that record book. So hats off to Nolan Arenado. And I hope my weird curtail into history gives you an indication of just how weird I am as a person and as a media personality. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm going to get to the questions first because... A lot of the things I want to address uh, are asked about in the questions. So let's look at that. Say Jay uh, asked the first question on Twitter. 
Is Tyler Anderson a candidate to move to the bullpen at some point? Does not seem like he has it for more than a couple innings at a time. Could be solid in the pen. Or what do the Rocks do with him going forward? Okay, so the Rockies have a problem in their rotation. Tomorrow, they don't know who they're going to start. Uh, Bud Black knows, but he didn't tell anyone at this point. I believe it's probably going to be some combination of Harrison Musgrave and Jeff Hoffman, who has not been very good at AAA this season. Like, not at all. But both Hoffman, or not both Hoffman, but all three of Hoffman, Bettis, and Anderson, I believe, should be in the bullpen. And you're saying, Jake, well, I'm doing the math. That only leaves four starters. Who should be the fifth starter? I don't know. I don't know that he is on the Rockies' 40-man right now. I don't know that he's in their clubhouse. In fact, I think the, the best guess for a potential starter might be Chris Russon. But I have not been impressed with either Tyler Anderson or Jeff Hoffman as a starter to this point. And I think Chad Bettis has done enough in the bullpen where you go, I think you need that guy in the bullpen. Maybe the answer is Peter Lampert in a little while, and I have a question coming up on that in, in a bit, but it's not yet for Peter Lampert. So what would I do if I were the Rockies with Tyler Anderson? Well, if I had the option of having a fifth starter, and the Rockies have the depth at starting pitcher, it's just unfortunate that Yenti Almonte is pitching as a reliever right now. <laughs> you kind of have to take some time to make that depth reappear. But in the immediate term, I think you have to keep Tyler Anderson there, which sucks because he hasn't been good. I mean, he battles, but he just hasn't been good. And I like Tyler Anderson. I think he's a really good pitcher. But I think he's better suited to come out of the bullpen just given what the Rockies need. And what the Rockies need is a lefty in their bullpen. Mike Dunn has not been that guy yet. Chris Russon has been hurt. The Rockies need a lefty. And Tyler Anderson has really good left-on-left -left splits. Be ashamed to see him waste as a loogie. But I think he could totally lock down the seventh or sixth inning for you. And you have Chad Bettis who's pitching well, and you, you, you need Scott Oberg. And you can't have Scott Oberg pitch literally every single inning because he's been the only bright spot in that bullpen to a T. I, I guess that's the long-winded way of saying I don't know what you do with Tyler Anderson particularly. But in the long term, I, I think that him in the bullpen is probably the best option. But right now you need someone to start games because you can't just roll out nobody every fifth day. Purple Pinstripes asks, how much longer can we afford to keep Desmond in the lineup? Uh, a while. Like, he's been fine. I, I mean, I'm Ian Desmond's biggest critic. Like, literally, uh, well, I, literally I'm his smallest critic, but I am one of his bigger critics uh, in terms of vocal majority but not uh in terms of actual standing in terms of my height but I I really do think that uh Ian Desmond's fine right now and a question that Rocky Mountain Baseball asked which is why aren't Toppy and Desmond at least platooning I think that's the solution right there is you you platoon the two of them and I think you get good stuff out of the both of them but I don't think that's gonna happen just based on the fact of they want to keep Desmond in the lineup and Tapia can't be the strong side of the platoon against righties as the fourth outfielder and them to keep Desmond in the lineup. It just won't work that simply. I think there's a world where Dahl, Desmond, Blackman, and Tapia all play over 90 games this year. 
But, I, I mean, I'm with you, uh, BK, on your new site, Rocky Mountain Baseball. I, I, I think you have to platoon Toppy and Desmond, and I, and I think that that makes Desmond valuable, at least playable. Um, I mean, I, I would have been the first. I mean, I literally did two podcasts ago. Is it time to 086 Ian Desmond? I was at that point. But right now, and my answer was no then, but I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think you need to keep him on the roster, the lineup, as you say. I would like to see him used better, and I think better utilized with him would be coming off the bench more and not starting as much, and I think you might start to see it, at least if Tapia continues to play the way he has. And my biggest criticism, criticism with Rymel Tapia, which based Marco's asked, why do, you, why do you think Tapia has any value now, is that Tapia had gotten chance after chance and never run with it. Now he's gotten a chance, and he started to run with it. Now I'm starting to see it with Ryan Maltapia. I've always liked him as a prospect, but you need to show me something once you get to this level, and he started to show me something. So does he have any trade value? I probably don't think so, left-handed slap hitter, but does he have value to the Rockies? Yes, he does. And he's being put in positions to succeed currently. And he's taking those chances and running with it. And that's why I like what Rymel Tapia has done. What else do we got here? Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck as that does not flow? Um, 100 duck-sized horses. Horses are, are friendly. Uh, I love equines. Uh, Silver Buff asks, best tacos? Uh, Taco Bell, of course. Fabian asks, are we going to win the World Series now? Yes, the Rockies are going to win the World Series in 2019. Mark that down. Mr. T.B. Shaw asks, what's your take on Murphy going 0-4 for 4 in Albuquerque tonight? Uh, and my take is basically it's meaningless. Triple-A stats don't mean anything. As long as he felt like he got back to the place he needed to get to. Uh, my bigger concern with Daniel Murphy is not the hitting. The hitting should be fine. That's not The finger isn't being affected when he's hitting. It's when he's fielding. So I'm concerned for Daniel Murphy in the field. And he DH'd today, so I don't know how much confidence they have with him there yet. But they need his bat in the lineup. I think, I think that's pretty clear. So I'd, I'd like to see uh, Murphy here tomorrow, and I think he will. I think Rymel Tapia stays up for those people. I think Pat Valeka is probably the one going down. I think DJ Johnson probably goes down tomorrow too. But uh, on Pat Valeka, I have a story coming to rockspile.com on him tomorrow. I think I wrote three stories today. So click on rockspile.com, follow me on Twitter, look at those stories. But my story on Pat Valeka basically dresses him down and addresses some of the issues that has made him literally the worst war player uh, in the National League over the last two years. And I think you're going to be interested in reading why some of those particulars have happened. Uh, Tyler asks also, would you rather snort salt or eat a snail? Uh, probably eat a snail because people eat those. Regular lemonade or pink lemonade? Uh, big pink lemonade fan. Um, another question I got in the DMs from my boy Johnny. I'd like to know your ideal starting five pitchers would look like around August, September. And, and this goes back to some of what I was saying earlier. Marquez, Freeland, Senzatella, and Lampert. I'd like to see Lampert up and starting by the end of the year. And I think that's the best thing for both the starting rotation and the bullpen. And if it's not Lampert, I'd like to like it to see uh, be Yancy Almonte. But I don't know that he's going to be ever a starter again. We'll see. 
Um, but the Rockies do need a lot of help in that bullpen. Uh, if you did read my article on Rocks Pile this morning, uh, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you should go click on it because the bullpen has really not been that good despite the ERA being okay. But, uh, I mean, that, that makes sense, right? Like, I, I think we're all excited to see Peter Lampert. He's going to be really young. But I see it more like Ubaldo Jimenez in 2007 as, hey, if this guy gives us five innings of, of two-run ball, we'll take it. We just need someone to be a fifth starter. We're really not counting on you at, for anything. But it, it, it's better than what Chad Bettis has been giving us uh, from that spot. That's kind of how I see the Peter Lampert thing playing out if it happens this year. And... Uh, of course, that assumes Kyle Freeland's health, who went on the uh, injured list today with a blister. He should be fine. He's only going to miss one start. Unfortunately for the Rockies, that does mean tomorrow is going to be a little bit of a hectic day, and the bullpen is already a little bit trashed. That off day on Thursday, that's going to be utilized very well by the Rockies. Uh, and the, the way it worked out with off days, I was kind of hoping that for the Rockies, they would be able to keep a four-man rotation, but uh, that's not the case. So these are from the email, and I'm going to read a big portion of these because they're very nicely written. And Timothy Carter sent me my first email, the Rocky Road Podcast at gmail.com. That's where you can reach me, send me lo more long-winded stuff. Uh, really nice email, so I really appreciate this. But he says, a couple of questions, early observations so far on the 2019 Rockies. The outfield depth and defense is a huge concern. If the ball is hit to anyone not named Dahl, I get nervous and start preparing for something bad to happen. I get frustrated watching Cargo and Parra at the plate these past few years, but I definitely took their defense for granted. How bad do Toppy and Desmond have to perform for the front office to acquire Adam Jones or a player like that at the deadline? Because the farm system depth in the outfield is borderline unacceptable. I mean, you said what I've been saying on these podcasts. Uh, it's pathetic that their depth is Jonathan Daza and Noel Cuevas. Like, it's pathetic. Or Mike Talkman at one point. But I, I think... As I take a sip of my White Claw here at the beautiful Blake Street Tavern. Get that sponsorship money, Shap. I think that's what the Rockies need to do at the deadline is get someone that is exactly like Gerardo Parra, a fourth or fifth outfielder type, not necessarily a star. It'd be nice if they got a star, but clearly they don't really have that much money. And I don't think that it's Toppy and Desmond have to be bad. I think it's just that the two of them... If they keep playing the way they have been, it's clear that they need to do it because of injury concerns. I mean, you can't count on David Dahl at this point, right? Like, I think we all love David Dahl as a player, but let's say you are in a pennant race and you go, okay, David Dahl's playing well, Charlie Blackman's playing well, and Desmond and Toppy are giving us enough. But we haven't seen anything out of the outfield depth all year. And you're at the deadline, right? I feel like you have to get something there just to be like, I guess it's July 31st, going into August. You have to be like, all right, well, if David Dahl goes, on August, goes down August 15th with something, we can't let that ruin our whole season. So I think they have to get someone like that at the deadline or they're screwed. Because... If you ask me, that one Daniel Murphy injury, it hasn't. But an injury like that could derail the Rocky season. It only needs to be a month. 
because the Rockies are not that deep this year. Timothy also says, you're right up on the bullpen supports the eye test through the first few weeks. Too many walks, no swing and miss stuff outside of Oberg. And hoping the hard hit ball finds a glove. Do you see any candidates on the current 25 or 40-man roster that can provide a lift to the relative, relative to what we've seen so far? Estevez has looked better to me. Should we expect anything close to above average from Russ and McGee? Any chance Breidich, Black, give Bowden, Hoffman, Lawrence a look in the high-leverage bullpen situations? Similar to the outfield situation, the internal solutions are few and far between. I'm worried that nobody will take the seventh-inning job and games will be lost by the ball uh, trying to get the ball to Oberg and Davis. I, I think that's going to be the biggest weakness of this team, quite honestly. I love Ben Bowden. I think he's a candidate, but I think Ben Bowden is that guy in 2020. It's hard to ask a rookie to be that guy. I think Justin Lawrence falls into that same boat. I think the best candidate on the Rockies roster, 40-man roster, is Yancy Almonte. He's proven that he can be a capable reliever, right? Carlos Estevez, to me, gives up too many home runs, and I don't know that he is somebody that has enough movement on his fastball that can pitch late in games like that and rely heavy on his fastball. I don't think Jake McGee is ever going to be the player he was again, though I did talk to him the other day, and he did give me some confidence, and I'm going to walk that back a little bit. I mean, I said that Jake McGee would never be good again, but I'm going to walk that back to... I think Jake McGee can be a contributor once more, and I think that he can be a valuable piece, but he's not a left-on-left -left guy, and I don't know that he's a back-end bullpen guy anymore. His velocity should come back because he's going to be healthy, and that's the tie. Jake McGee's velocity is up to 97 when he is healthy. The issue is it falls to 92 when he's unhealthy, and he's been unhealthy for much of his Rockies career, and that makes him hittable. I don't think Chris Russon will ever be the guy he was in 2017, but I do think Chris Russon is a valuable pitcher. So to answer your question, I don't know that there are answers to these questions. I think there are a lot of candidates to be answers, which is nice because you have more darts to throw at the dartboard. Unfortunately, the guy throwing those darts, metaphorically, doesn't have that much accuracy. So I don't know. Brian Shaw's been okay thus far. The walks aren't good. But, I mean, it's going to be a problem. Sangwano, we haven't even mentioned. I just I don't know how to feel about this bullpen either. And I, I know the analysis can't be I don't know to everything, but it's very early on in the season, and the Rockies came into the season with a lot of questions. And I addressed this off the start of the season. To me, a lot of my analysis on a team preseason goes, well, how many questions do they have? And if they have a lot of questions, I generally don't think that team is going to do well. The Rockies still have a lot of questions. The less questions you have, the fewer questions you have, generally the better you are. Three, I don't understand how a team's offensive approach can swing so drastically week to week. At the start, they were seeing the ball very well, and they looked overmatched. Uh... At the start, they weren't seeing the ball very well, and they looked overmatched up and down the lineup. A couple weeks later, they looked more comfortable, more barrels with few swings on the ball outside the zone. What can you share on the team's offensive plan for the, that night's starting pitcher? Is that a real thing? Do players actually make in-game adjustments at bat to at bat? I know it's not a guarantee to advance a runner with less than two outs, somewhere around 50%, but I don't. it doesn't look like the Rockies hitters adjust their approach in these situations. Yes, the hitter might sacrifice some power, but there are some changes he can 
can make to put the ball in play. Is that solely on the player, or is that something the hitting coach can put in place? With their starting pitching, the Rockies can get away with being average offensively, but in my opinion, the team-wide free-swinging with men on base could cost the team a playoff spot. I mean, yeah, it almost cost them a playoff spot last year. I think that's why Dave Maganin was brought in. I think it's a philosophy thing uh, in terms of approaching the game differently and not trying to hit a bunch of home runs. And part of that is because the Rockies have such good pitching that they don't need to hit a bunch of home runs. However, everyone in baseball, the game is being played. It doesn't matter if you move runs up. Let's just get guys on base to basically sit there and hope somebody hits a home run. Now, I do think that you need smart players to be able to change their approach. And in-game adjustments are a thing. Everyone in baseball knows this because you'll see guys, when they walk back from the batter's box to the dugout, a lot of time the guy on desk, deck will ask, what does the curveball, what does the slider look like? Even though they've seen it on film. They want to get a better feel for it. And those in-game adjustments, of course guys' stuff gets a little bit worse in the sixth inning than it was in the first inning, but those in-game adjustments are why third time through the order, hitters have so much more success than first time through the order because they are making adjustments based on what they've seen prior. I mean, one of the things I think that, and I I haven't done this, so don't mark my words technically on this, but I would say that if you looked at the Rockies, they probably have a better batting average against their division than they do outside of their division because when you see relievers like, you know, Caleb Ferguson four times a year instead of just once in a series, you're going to be able to make those adjustments over the course of the year. And these guys do have long memories as hitters, and they can figure out exactly what they're seeing again. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, Bud Black today told me about a story from 1975. So these guys have long memories when it comes to baseball, and they can make approaches both in-game that that changes their adjustment and and have approaches going into game and and change their adjustment from game to game. So that is a real thing. Why it changes week to week? The margins are so thin in baseball. The margin for error is so wacky that I think it's just that. Like, sometimes you hit a hard ground ball to second, right at the second baseman, sometimes it's two feet to the left, and it's a single, and everyone's praising you. Like, that's it to me in baseball. Now, I do agree with you that they were swinging and missing at a lot of things, and their exit velocity, if I looked at it, is probably increased here. I think part of that is settling in. I think they've faced less good pitching here as of late. I mean, the Rays and Dodgers have really good pitchers. And I think another part of that equation is... Again, that comfortability factor. I mean, a lot of these guys in the National League, the guys have seen before, Coors Field, stuff like that. You settle in, and you settle into how guys are being pitched around you in the lineup and how you can see things. I hope that answers your questions, Timothy. If not, email me back, and I'll try to do a better job next time. (laughs) But thank you for the compliments. Jason Fish asks, do you see the Rockies' front office going after any free agent bullpen help this season? Uh, Again, same thing as the outfield. It's going to have to be cost-effective trades. They do not have the money anymore to make these big, splashy moves. So do I see them doing it? I would like to see them do what they did at the 2017 deadline, getting a guy like Pat Neshek and getting Jonathan Lucroy, but this time seventh-inning guy and an outfield guy. Jason also asked, personally, have you ever been memed? Yes. Uh, Apparently, you're not on Buff's Twitter. 
Just go to the C Unit Twitter account and you'll see I've been memed many of times. Did you hire some baritone voice to the new Rocky Road pod theme, or is that you digitally altered? I'll leave that a mystery. What's your over-under on Taco's games for the Rockies' season this year? Um, I haven't done any research on this. Uh, let's just go 17 because it's a good number. How many sports news outlets can you write for at once? We're going to find out, Jason, aren't we? Denver Post, Scout, Associated Press, Rocks Pile. Uh, I've done some stuff for Let's Go DU on and off here. So, a lot. Are you the reason the Rapids will not win a single match this season? No. I wish I was. I wish I did have that much control over the sports. And what's the longest you've let your hair grow out? Uh, probably mid-back. Uh, I've only had short hair about four out of the 24 years of my life. So this is different for me compared to history. I've always had long hair that came out of my hockey helmet and my baseball cap. And the first time I really cut it was to go mullet Troy Tulowitzki style. So... Yeah, this is different for me. I, my dad has really long hair. I always had long hair. So uh, I like my long hair. And then one more question coming from Twitter. Um, Chris Hill asks, this concerns me. Can't wait to hear you address it on the podcast. And basically says, times Rockies have had a guy on third base with less than two outs and didn't score. You know, my colleague Kevin Henry did a whole story on run, runners in scoring position and how the Rockies have been terrible at it. It's very concerning, but to me the biggest problem is that the Rockies don't have the length in their lineup right now, and that's because of Daniel Murphy being out, and then, of course, it's skewed because David Dahl and Ryan McMahon have missed big portions of the young season. So I think that's going to change here because when you have Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado in the middle of your lineup, and then nobody else, what you can do is you can go, all right, I'm not going to give in to this guy. If he walks, he walks. Ian Desmond's coming to the plate next. We don't care if there's three guys on base, bases loaded with Ian Desmond and one out. He's either going to ground into a double play or strike out. And if he strikes out, right behind that is Chris Iannetta. So I think that's bound to change a little bit. I don't know if that's going to make a huge correction. But, I mean, that's just this team right now. They don't have a great offense. They have an average offense when they're at their best. And that should sustain them if they do have Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez, and John Gray pitching the way we know they can, healthy and consistent. And hopefully your bullpen's okay and preserves those leads. And hopefully Sensatella turns into a really good pitcher because that guy's a dog. We've seen it. And hopefully you get someone to take that fifth spot starter spot because nobody has done it yet. It's the same thing I see with the Rapids every day. Their defense. Nobody's taking that job and run with it yet. That's the problem with the fifth starter spot. And I think they know that, just as they know there are a couple players short. And maybe they add those players, but like I said at the last podcast, they have some reinforcements coming. The key is you have to keep yourself in position, in contention, for when those reinforcements come. And this 7 of 8 has helped them get back to a spot where they feel okay at the end of the month, even if they go on a little losing streak here and they end the month, let's say, four or five games under 500. That's okay considering how bad they started. I'm Jake Shapiro. You can follow me on Twitter at Chapalicious. Email the show, RockyRoadPodcast at gmail.com. Hey, make sure to stop by Blake Street Tavern after every game. I am here just about all of the time, and I would love to see you here very, very soon. It's my 21st, or not 21st birthday, but it's my brother's 21st birthday tomorrow night, but it is my 24th birthday on May 4th, the Kentucky Derby. The Rockies play that day. Uh, I am sure that... You can find me stumbling around Denver. Uh, if you listen to my podcast and you want to hang out with me on my birthday, I have friends, but 
you're a friend because you've listened to my podcast for half an hour, and I feel like you know me just a little bit better, even though I haven't talked about myself one bit. So thank you for listening. I'm going to shut the vocal cords down, and I'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Read my story tomorrow morning on Pat Maleka on rockspile.com. And I appreciate all of you. Talk to you. Waking up in the morning, I can't remember your